This is the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. Hey, welcome to this month's podcast. So glad you're taking the time to be with me this month. I want to share something with you that I believe will be helpful in navigating the hour that we're living in. In fact, it's a sentence that comes out of the ministry of Jesus, and it and the sentiment is this, that you were born for this hour. And my hope today is in our 20 minutes together is to unpack this in a way that will empower you to truly step in boldly into the very, very troubling hour that we all find ourselves living in today. Acts 17 tells us when Paul was on Mars Hill speaking to those intellectuals in Athens who just constantly were just learning and talking and learning and talking. And when he's defining his God, he actually says this about God in Acts 17, 25. God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they would live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us or each one of us. In Acts 17, we see a reality that God placed each of us where we live with a distinct purpose, not just where we live, but when we live there. Geographically, set in time, God knew that you would be living in this hour. God knew as a believer, as a child of God, as a leader, that you would be facing the hour in which you live, and he designed you for this hour. Jesus in his own life, of course we know, faced his darkest hour when he went to the cross. He so despised having to bear the sin of the world, being separated from his father, that he would become literally the Lamb of God, so much so that we know in the Garden of Gethsemane that he so agonized in prayer that he sweat blood. And he said, my soul is so troubled almost to where it's going to kill me. Jesus didn't speak in hyperbole. He didn't speak with just words that meant nothing. Imagine being so troubled and burdened that the Son of God, who had never tasted sin, said that my physical body feels like it's going to die under this pressure. He makes a statement during this time. Literally, this is hours before he's going to be arrested. Listen to what he says, and this is the foundation from which I want to talk to us today. I want to share my heart with you. In John 12, Jesus said in verse 27, Now my soul is troubled, but what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but it's for this purpose I came and was born for this hour. Jesus made a statement about what was going on inside of him and a redirection and a focus, an internal commitment. Isaiah prophesied that he would set his face and stone sent, set like a flint, like in rock toward his purpose. Today, the souls of men and women are deeply troubled in our nation and in the world. The souls of Christians are deeply troubled. The souls of Christian leaders are deeply troubled. Our mind, our, our, our psychiatric environments, our, our psychiatric health is under such assault. And people's soulish realm, it is so under assault today, that depression, anxiety, suicidality, 
These are things that are literally manifesting in epidemic proportions in our culture. Now, it's clear the world is on fire. To pretend that doesn't exist is to ignore the hour in which we live. And I want, before we get to what Jesus said he would do in this hour, let's be realistic. If your soul isn't being troubled by what you see, then you're either not looking or your heart has got grown hard. But today we're living in a time where leaders around the world on a variety of issues and in our nation are not leading to solve problems, but to exasperate them. They're not leading to benefit, if you will, their constituency to lift their life, but to use those areas and those issues to gain more power and more influence and even more control. Jesus talked about this kind of leadership in the Bible. He said, those that are in the world, the Gentiles, when they lead, he said, they will exercise dominion over their, their, their subjects or those that are small. And, and in essence, he's basically saying, they're going to take advantage of you. But then he gives this caveat, which I think is, is so timeless, when he says this simple sentence, and calling themselves your benefactor. He said, those who lead outside of my kingdom, and this isn't, of course, this isn't a broad brush that everybody leads this way or every movement has every leader involved in it with this, but it's predominant today. It is certainly predominant outside of the kingdom of God. And sadly, it's gaining prominence within the kingdom. And so we're seeing a form of leadership today where people are actually harming those that they pretend to lead and calling themselves the benefactors of those they actually continually divide and injure. And this is true on both sides of any political aisle or any issue. And sadly, it's true within the Christian community and the non-Christian community. Today, we're dealing with racial issues that are, that are at epidemic proportions. And the influences around it, around that horrific issue, and these are real issues, are not being used and not being employed to solve the issue, but rather to actually exasperate the issue and to further divide. There are political divisions today that are greater than at any time in my 60 years on this earth. And those political issues are significant. Today, 40% of college graduates and university graduates favor socialism and other forms or isms that in their trail in the last 100 years, socialism, communism, and the like, and Marxism have had 143 million people murdered under those ideologies. Not people that have died for this issue or that issue. They were literally murdered by the regimes that they gave this great power to. It's troubling that the leaders of tomorrow are considering an ideology that has a trail of slaughter behind it. Absolutely, it's troubling. There's economic disparity today that is just getting further and further apart. Government corruption, like I've never seen it in my life. Government spending that is so irresponsible, you, you can't exaggerate it. You're watching political figures spend money saddling their great-great-grandchildren with debts so that they can maintain their own power base. It's insanity. It would be similar to me going out to the best restaurant in the world that was the most expensive restaurant in the world and eating there seven days a week 
52 weeks a year for 25 years, never paying the bill, but having my great-grandchildren pay for it with interest when they're born. Nobody would do that as a parent. And yet as a culture, we are actually spending our children's future. These are troubling times. We're living in an hour where sexual sin and brokenness is so pervasive in the culture and even celebrated in the culture that it would be hard to even make it up in your mind. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, this level of sexual sin and brokenness, not just accepted in the culture, but celebrated, would have been, nobody would have believed it to be possible. We're living in an hour where, where young men and women are having children and not telling you the gender of the child. They're literally saying, we want the child to choose. That's crazy. That's, and let's just throw a pandemic on top of it. Now, let me tell you a statement that I heard Bishop Joseph Garlington say. A couple of weeks ago, I was in a prayer meeting with Bishop Garlington, and, and this is relevant for the sake of our conversation. For those of you who don't know him, he's actually iconic in the body of Christ. I believe he's 82 years old. Uh, he has led in the body of Christ for decades, and, and he happens to be black. Bishop Garlington is one of the most amazing speakers you'll ever hear. And as we prayed together, many people were getting up during the prayer meeting and because it was an open mic. And we prayed for about an hour before he spoke. And it was a wide open prayer meeting. And people were getting up, praying out and against different isms that were occurring in our nation, uh, different problems emerging in our nation. And it was so masterful. When Bishop Garlington got up to speak, he kindly corrected everybody. And he said, remember this. Every ism will become a wasm very soon. Every ism that you're focused and praying about and struggling about and, and battling in your mind, very, very soon for everybody who lives on earth, all of the isms will become wasms. And all that will matter is if you reach them for Christ. And the only way to solve the isms of our day is not to actually define them, but to rescue the people trapped within them. And it was, it was masterful. When Jesus was facing his most troubling hour, he said, should I pray that God should save me at this hour? He said, no, I was born for this hour. This is the purpose for which I've come to the earth. And that's what I want to say to you today. As a leader, as a Christian, you were born for this hour. Our prayers should not be, God save me from this hour. God changed this and changed that so that I can be more comfortable and, and fruitful in my own personal life. My prayer should not be that. God deliver me from this. But my prayer should be, God, thank you for preparing me for this very hour. I was born for this hour. Every generation has within it a calling, if you will, where the, the world will hinge and the well-being of the world will hinge on the response to that calling. And I think you can look just in American history at the World War II generation, how they answered that call in World War II and made unimaginable sacrifices. Well, today, we're not going to be fighting on the beachheads of Normandy, but we're going to be making warfare, if you will, in battles in ways that if we don't engage, if we don't realize we were born for this hour, the only hope of the world, Jesus, and the only hope of the world, his church, will falter. 
And that's not up to God. It's up to the church. You were born for this hour. Romans 8, 35, Paul said this. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble do it? Hardships, persecution, hunger, poverty, danger? Can death do it? As the scripture says, for your sake, God, we are in danger of death at all times. We are treated like sheep that are going to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors and have complete victory through him who loved us. I want to talk to you for a moment about the concept of not being separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Many leaders today and many believers are being separated by the love of God, by the troubles in our world. Many leaders and a great number of believers are seeing those causing the trouble from their perspective as their enemy rather than their mission field. Remember this, you cannot serve whom you don't love. You can't serve someone you don't love. I serve my children because I love them. I can't help it. What I do for them, I don't do for a neighbor kid. It's when the love of God is separated in my heart that I will fail to minister with the heart of God to people. I will no longer give my life for what he gave his life for. I will no longer sacrifice for what he sacrificed for. And what I want you to see is that in this hour, we can permit these hardships and these troubles in our troubled souls, if you will, to literally separate us from God's love, separate us from the hour in which we were born, realizing that every person that holds a different perspective than you may hold as a Christian is not your enemy. They are actually a prisoner held captive by another kingdom. That's why the scripture said we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and, and rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in high places. There are only two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of heaven and hell, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There are only two kingdoms. And I want to encourage you to remember when we begin to look at the people trapped in the kingdom of this world, in the kingdom of darkness, somehow, if we're not careful, we begin to think of ourselves as above people. But here's the reality. I came out of that same prison, and so did you. And I was rescued at no goodness of my own. I was not rescued because of my efforts and my goodness or my, my faithfulness to God or any such thing. I was rescued by the mercy of God. This is no time for Christians, no time for leaders to be seeking an escape route, but rather a plan of attack. You were born for this hour. I see people retreating, leaders retreating, leaders being tempted to quit like never before in my life. You were born for this hour. My hope today is to help you to make an internal adjustment to realize that when Jesus said to his church, speaking of us in the future, in Luke 19, he said, I want you to occupy until I return. That's a military term. It's once a victory is achieved, a military will go behind it and occupy that territory. And they will begin to rule, if you will, over those people who once were under the rule of a different sovereign. But we're not an army that does destruction. We're not an army that battles with flesh and blood. We're not an army that 
that, 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 that refutes arguments with other arguments. We are a liberating army. We are not an army that's going to be better than and stronger than. We are the army who is called to be a liberating army. I think one of the greatest examples, at least in, in, in recent history, was during World War II when the Allied soldiers, the Americans, had finally crossed into, into Germany and, 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 and had defeated Germany in the Axis. And they, were, they came across the, prison, the concentration camps. They didn't even know what they were. And they found Auschwitz. And, and, and today, the actual footage of when they found it is, is on film. It's almost hard to believe that, that footage is real, but it is. And men who once had used their weapons to kill other men were now entering into this horrific situation where people had been so tortured. And they began to liberate those people. And they began to serve those people. And their hearts went to them. We are a liberating army. When we defeat in the army of God, the kingdoms of this world, we are delivering the world's citizens, if you will, the citizens that are trapped in that kingdom from the power and dominion of Satan and translating them into the kingdom of our God. I want you to see that you were born for this hour. You were born for the hour where we rescue people. But listen, please, we are rescuing people out of the very prison cells of which we've emerged. But armies must be trained. Armies must be disciplined. Please remember, in every war, there's friendly fire where we kill our own accidentally, either because of bad information and intel or not knowing how to use our weapons. And I'm seeing Christians today misuse their weapons, harming each other, friendly fire, and it's separating them from the love of God, which is in Jesus. Without us understanding that this is our call, this is our hour, our troubled souls are going to separate us from the love of God. 1 John 5, 4 tells us something for every believer. He said, you see, every child of God overcomes and conquers the world in its ways. The victorious power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? It is simply those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You are born of God to be an overcomer, and you were born for this hour. But let me, in our final five minutes, how do you practically walk this out? How do you practically overcome and conquer a world that opposes itself? I think the, the best way to do it on an individual basis is to tell your story of what God has done for you in a, in a relational context wherever you have, have opportunity and wherever you have influence. But I think the greatest example I find in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. And you, if you're most listening to this, are going to be familiar enough with the book of Acts to know why Paul was before King Agrippa when he was on his way to be uh, tried in Rome by Caesar. And Agrippa, just as a almost like a plaything, wanted to hear Paul. And so they gathered this huge assembly, and Paul is about to speak to King Agrippa and Festus, these, these, these renowned leaders. Paul didn't go into that room, into that, if you will, into that arena, worried about his freedom. He went into that room, realizing he was there to set the captive free. And he preached to King Agrippa like he was in, in an evangelistic crusade. And he said, I'm not careful to speak to you, King. And he looked him eyeball to eyeball. And he spoke to him from his heart, and he told his story of how God delivered him. 
In Acts 26, I want to just read you one portion of what he said to Agrippa. And he's referring to what God actually said to him when he was saved on the road to Damascus. He said, and God said to him, this is audibly when God was speaking to him. He said, I will, Paul, deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision. He's preaching to this king. And you know the story, King Agrippa actually responded and said, Paul, you're almost persuading me to be a Christian. And Paul said, not just you, but I'm trying to persuade everybody here. I want everybody hearing my voice to be just like me, except in these chains. But here's something I want you to see as we wind this down. God must deliver you from the very people you're called to liberate. If you're not liberated from the people of, uh, that are in, trapped in the culture, you will not be able to be sent to them. God said, Paul, I'm going to deliver you from the people I'm now sending you. There were two people groups he had to deliver him from, the Jews and the Gentiles, or the Romans. These are two groups that love Paul. Paul was a leader among the Jews. Most believe him to be a member of the 70-man council called the Sanhedrin. He was a Roman citizen, and he was born free. So this man had standing in both worlds. But Paul had to be delivered from these two groups. For him, and literally, or he would have been separated from the love of God. Because these two groups, who once loved him, both sought to kill him. And the Roman government ultimately did. And yet Paul, in the midst of this great oppression and, and persecution, never takes his eye off the hour for which he was born. When he's speaking to King Agrippa, instead of thinking of his liberty, thinking of a way and strategizing for his liberty, he used it as an opportunity, knowing he was born for this very hour. Paul knew that he was called to empty the very prison cell from which he'd been freed. You were born for this hour. None of us, none of us that know Christ today are any better than any person trapped in the dark. I don't care what their issues are. The only difference between they and me is Jesus. That's it. And I was rescued because somebody came into my prison cell and told me the truth about Christ. You see, we are an army that delivers people from the dominion and power of Satan. We are an army that God will use to open the eyes of those that are trapped, to turn them from darkness to light, and to cause them to receive forgiveness of sins. The scripture tells us in 1 John that the greater one really does live on the inside of us. And I'll leave you with the scripture Jesus said, and I want to encourage you, not just for you as a leader, but to lead people toward the love of God. Don't let anything separate you. Don't let issues, don't let isms, don't let right wing, left wing, even legitimate issues of the day separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because as Bishop Garlington said, all of these isms will become wasms very shortly. And all that will remain is who is in heaven and who is, who is in hell. And my call is to rescue people from one kingdom to another, from the dominion of darkness to the dominion, and if you will, the, the dominion of the love of God and the light, to see God open their eyes, 
turning them darkness to light, receiving forgiveness of sins. And while we do it, Jesus promised this in John 16. And everything I've taught you is so that, this is John 16, 33, everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you as well and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrow. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered this world for you. We are to walk in the victory of Jesus and to be the occupying army of this earth and to go into the territories that people say are impossible and to love and to sacrifice and to give our lives for the very ones who may not understand us and the ones who may persecute us and the ones who may hate us. We must do what God calls us to do, to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who despitefully use us and persecute us, to love those who hate us so that we can act like the children of our God, the God who lets the rain and the sun fall upon those who are just and unjust. My prayer for all of us is that we'll wake up and arise and lead those that we have, have the privilege of leading into the hour in which we've been called to live. You were born for this hour. I look forward to our next podcast together, and I hope you let this resonate in your heart. And let's go gather a harvest for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Eternity is right in front of us. God bless you. Thanks again for tuning in to the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to rate, review, and share this podcast on iTunes. It's a great way to get the word out and to help others grow as leaders. We'll see you back here next time for another episode of the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast.